Okay, just as a side note, next week, uh, next Sunday will be our refined Sunday. You may not know that. Uh, so we're going to have a 9 o'clock Bible class in here. Uh, I won't be leading at the uh, part of our refined Sunday. Seventh grade enough will be meeting in here for our Bible classes next Sunday morning. And then we will have the 10 o'clock worship service and then a fellowship meal followed by the 1 p.m. service for our refined Sunday. So looking forward to that, and I hope you can be here for that next Sunday. So we will not have our regular class then, but we will continue in Colossians after that. And we'll continue with Colossians for a couple more lessons after that. And then around the end of the year, first of the next year, we'll start a study of Ephesians. And I thought that would be a good segue because Colossians and Ephesians have a lot of similar themes that Paul writes to the church in Colossae and the church in Ephesus. In fact, we'll be referring to a few of those, a few of those verses in Ephesians today. So I think that'll be a good continuation of what we've been doing in Colossians. And you, if you've been here, you know in the first chapter we talked about the fact that the theme of Colossians is, is Jesus Christ is the all-sufficient and preeminent Savior and how Paul was writing to the brethren at the church at, of the church in Colossae, even though he had probably not established that congregation, probably didn't really know those folks personally. He knew about them through Epaphras who had told him about uh, their great love for, the, for God, their great faith, and he was commending them for that. He was commending them for their steadfast faith and their love for each other. And then he goes on to talk about how they have accepted Jesus as their all-sufficient Savior, Lord and Savior, not just the Savior part, not just the being saved, but the obedience part. And he talked, we talked last week about things he told them to put on and put off, to apparel, to, to clothe themselves with righteousness, to put off things of the world, right? Things of this earth that are going to pass away and to put on spirituality. You know, he told them that they were sanctified they were set apart for good works and he told them that they need to be keeping their minds seeking on the things that are above not on the things that of the earth of this world and we now find paul today in our our, our text describing some things or some guidelines that are going to help us in our lives and our families not only in our families but perhaps in our daily work in our secular lives you might say and the way we deal with business matters and so forth. Let's turn over to Colossians chapter 3 and read our text for today, beginning in verse 18. Colossians 3, verse 18. He begins there and he says, Wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. And husbands, love your wives and do not be bitter toward them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing to the Lord. Fathers, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. Bondservants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in sincerity of heart, fearing God. And whatever you do, do it heartily, as to the Lord and not to men, knowing that from the Lord you will receive the reward of the inheritance, for you serve the Lord Christ. But he who does wrong will be paid, repaid for what he has done, and there is no partiality. Masters, give your bondservants what is just and fair, knowing that you also have a master in heaven. <clears throat> All right, we begin this passage by saying, by, or Paul begins this passage by saying, wives, submit to your own husbands as is fitting in the Lord. All right, well, what do we mean by this? What does it mean for a wife to submit to her husband? And I know I'm a husband in here, and I'm trying to teach wives to submit to their husbands, so that's kind of a, not a great, not a great uh, relationship, right, for me to be leading, right? Well, we'll talk about what this means. What, what does it mean? 
Of course, the word submit simply means, right, uh, subordinating yourself, submit, subjecting yourself to someone else. Uh, you might even say it means obey. I didn't say that. I didn't say you had to obey, but it, it, it does kind of have that connotation, right? Wives are to submit to their husbands. <coughs> as what? Oh, as to the Lord, as fitting to the Lord. So there is an interesting statement there. He's not just saying, wives, you've got to obey your husband. But there's a reason he's talking about this, right? He's saying you're to submit to your husbands as to the Lord. Well, what does that mean exactly? Let's turn over to the letter to the Ephesus, the Ephesians letter, and just see another passage here that he sends in his letter to, the Ephesians, to Ephesus. Chapter 5, and let's begin verse 22. He says, wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands and everything. So Paul qualifies that a little bit, right? He's saying, wives being subject to your husbands, submit to your husbands, just as Christ is the head of the church. In other words, we are in subjection to him. We've talked many times about the fact that the kingdom of heaven was established at Pentecost, right? Jesus ascended into heaven. He's now reigning in his kingdom, sending at the right hand of God. And we are part of that kingdom of heaven here on earth, right? We are servants in that kingdom. The church was established on that day, and we are part of that church. We are part of that kingdom. He is the head of the body, head of that church. Turn over to Matthew 20, and let's see what the Lord says about submitting yourself or subjecting yourself to others. Matthew chapter 20, read a few verses from there. <clears throat> Matthew chapter 20, beginning in verse uh, 24. And when the ten heard it, they were greatly displeased with the two brothers. This is after, you know, that question's about who's going to be the greatest, right? But Jesus called them to himself and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lorded over them, and those who are great exercise authority over them. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you, let him be your servant. And whoever desires to be first among you, let, you, let him be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve, and to give his life a ransom for many. What's Jesus saying there? We, we are to be servants. We're not to be great. It's not about being the greatest, the best. If you want to be great, you need to be a slave. You need to serve just as he has done. And so the idea is that wives submit to their husbands because they're Christians, because they're already submitted to Christ. They've already subjected themselves to the Lord, who subjected himself to man when he came and humbled himself to give his life for us. See how that works together? What a great example that is that he gave us. We need to be willing to subject ourselves to each other. It's not just wives submitting to the husband. It's Christians submitting to Christians. <clears throat> In keeping with this, we're to submit with one another. Ephesians 5 there mentions it. We could go over to Hebrews 13 and we see that there are also some who are set as leaders in the congregations, as elders, and those are to, they are to submit those who rule, rule over them in faith. Paul mentions, or not, the Hebrew writer mentions that in chapter 13. 
Turn over to 1 Peter. We're going to read quite a bit from 1 Peter and see some things that Peter has to say about all this. 1 Peter, and let's go to chapter 2. <clears throat> and let's begin with uh, verse 13. He says, Therefore, submit yourselves to every ordinance of man for the Lord's sake, whether to the kingdom as supreme or to the governors as to those who are sent by him for the punishment of evildoers and for the praise of those who do good. For this is the will of God, that by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. In other words, we are to be in subjection to our government, right? As Christians, we are to subject ourselves to our government. Also, uh, verse 18 there, servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. He's saying, Christian servants, be in subjection to your masters, okay? And then turn over to chapter 5 there, 1 Peter. And let's see what he says there. Verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. For God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. Younger Christians are to submit to the elders, not just the elders of the congregation, but older folks and to one another as well. So it's not just about wives submitting to their husbands. He's referring to that specifically, of course. But we are all supposed to be submitting to each other as Christians, not lording it over anybody, not wanting to be the greatest, but humbling ourselves as servants. Remember, we are sanctified. We were set apart from the world to do good works, right? The world's view of that is kind of, that's stupid. I want to be great. I want to be the best. I want the power, right? A little different view of things, isn't it? Another thing there in 1 Peter 5, he said, also God may not be gracious to you if you don't do this, right? You want to be God to be gracious to you? You need to submit to each other. Mention it, and this is, this is not in the scripture, but I want to mention there's even a possibility that if wives don't submit to their husbands, don't take on that role, uh, there are some studies that have been done that may um, bear on the orientation or the sexual orientation of the children. Now, I don't want to get too deep into this, but there is some stuff in your outline about this if you got one. There was a study according to uh, Dr. Irving Bieber who's made, uh, that was made on a family background of 106 male homosexuals from a book, uh, What Everyone Should Know About Homosexuality, all right? And he found that 81 had mothers who were dominating. 62 had mothers who were overprotective. 66 had mothers that had made the, homo, uh, made the homosexual their favorite child. 82 of the fathers spent very little time with their sons, and 79 fathers maintained a detached attitude toward them. In other words, the mother was not necessarily being in submission to her husband, or was, had a role that was more dominant, perhaps, than the father, if they had a father. <clears throat> so, Whatever the subject, Christ certainly knows best, and we should remember that he is the creator of all things, right? So here we have Paul saying the statement, inspired, right? Inspired by the Spirit, telling us what the truth is. So these are things that we need to keep in mind. Now, wives submitting to your husbands in the world, that, uh, that doesn't play out so well, does it? <laughs> At least not anymore. Uh, maybe... Should I say 50 years ago, 100 years ago, that was, that was more of a thing? But now, you know, 
society's kind of changed, the world's kind of changed. Women should be doing their own thing, right? Doesn't mean women aren't equal to men in the sight of God. We are all created equally in his sight, male and female, Gentile and Jew, barbarian, whatever you want to call it, we're all the same, but we have a role in our families, a role that's inspired by God telling us this is how a family should work. This is how a family should function. And he goes on to talk about the husbands too, so wives, don't be fretting. Chapter, uh, let's go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5 and see something he says there. Ephesians 5, and let's uh, go back to 5, verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that he, she should be holy and without blemish. Husbands ought to love their wives. Well, what does that mean? Love their wives, just like Christ loved the church. What does that mean? Well, what did Christ do for the church? He gave his life for the church, right? He gave himself for the church. He's the head. He loved the church so much that he'd be willing to die for the church. I think that's what Paul is saying here, husbands. Love your wives so much that you'd be willing to give your life for her. If you think of it that way, perhaps that means a little bit of humility is involved, right? Perhaps that doesn't mean I'm the master, you obey me. Perhaps a husband who loves his wife, like Christ loved the church, needs, realizes he needs her help, realizes he needs some advice in his life. If he's going to carry out the role of the leader, he can't do it by himself, right? That love for his wife also says, you're my partner. In Christ's eyes, you're my equal. You're also a sister in Christ. Oh, if you think about it like that, that gives it a little different viewpoint, doesn't it? I'm not the master of the house. I'm just supposed to lead. I'm just supposed to be that Christian man who gives an example of God's love for her in the flesh. Oh, now you're kind of saying something different, aren't you? Yeah. That's the husband's role as a leader. He is to lead according to Christ. Remember, when we're renewed, when we're baptized, we're raised to newness of life, what are we supposed to be doing? Becoming like Christ. We're following him, trying to be like him in everything we do. That includes and our role as husbands. Husbands are to love our lot wives with that sacrificial love, just as Christ loved the church. He also mentions there in uh, Ephesians 5, let me read on, well, I got out of there. In 28 29, I'm not going to read it, but he talks about loving them as you love your own body, right? Just as you nurse and cherish your own body, so you should love your wife. I mean, if you're going to live in this world, you need to take care of your body, right? You need to love your body enough to feed yourself correctly, get a proper exercise, proper sleep, do the things that help you stay healthy, right? 
he's saying it just like that. You need to be loving your wife, taking care of your wife in the same way. So it's not a master-slave relationship. Yes, wives are to submit to their husband's leadership. But husbands are to humble themselves and serve their wives, just like Christ served the church. Does it make sense? Are you understanding what I'm saying here? All right. I know, because my mother and father are there, and they taught me this stuff 100 years ago, right? So i got to be doing right by them. All right. <clears throat> Love also includes, he mentions, being free from bitterness. Husband should not be bitter toward his wife. Also includes, uh, uh, well, let's, let's go read this. Turn back to 1 Peter, and you might just keep a mark on 1 Peter, because we're going to read a few more verses from there. 1 Peter chapter 3. Beginning in verse, uh, let's read uh, verse 7. He says, Husbands, likewise dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Here's an interesting phrase, right? He's saying, honor your wife. Honor her. After all, she has raised your children, right? But not only honor her, be aware that if you don't, you might have your prayers hindered. Hmm. Interesting point, right? She's is the weaker vessel, he says here. Now, I know in the world, to say to a woman that she's the weaker vessel, that's like, well, I don't know what that's like, but it's not, not a good thing, right? Paul says that right here. She's the weaker vessel. You are to love your wife, and that makes a point that in a relationship, and I'm not a, I'm not a uh, psychiatrist or uh, psychologist, whatever, but a woman in a relationship, I understand, needs to have that feeling of security, right? Safety, right? She needs to know that she has a husband who will take care of her and the children, the family, right? That's a need that women have. I know some of you ladies, perhaps, did not have that in your relationship, or do not. Not going to have anybody raise their hand, but I know that's part of it, isn't it? And being that weaker vessel, there's a tenderness, right? There's a, something in, the, in a woman that allows her to be more, I don't know, nurturing, uh, maternal, motherly, right, to the children that a father perhaps doesn't have, right? And shouldn't have. A father's role should be more of the disciplinarian, right? Sternness, firmness. And we'll talk a little more about that in a minute. But perhaps part of that weaker vessel is the woman's role, is to have that ability to nurture the children, right? What's the old saying? When you, had, when you were a kid, boys are made of sticks and stones or something, and girls are made of spice and what is it? Sugar, sugar and spice, yeah. Yeah. And everything nice. That's right. You see, that's the point. God created man and woman equal as Christians, equals as brother and sister in his sight, but with differences. And in a family that he intended them to have, they have different roles. I don't care what the world tells you today, that's biblical. All right. Husbands are not to be bitter. Husbands need to honor their wives, love their wives, and if you don't, 
God may not be able to hear your prayers very well. Interesting statement, isn't it? Interesting that your prayers might be affected because of that. When husbands love their wives as Christ loved the church, and they're both seeking him in their daily lives, wives are submitting to their husbands in the Lord, and husbands are loving their wives as Christ loved the church, the family will tend to function better, just like God's intention was, right? He goes on to mention a few other things here. He talks about children obeying your parents. Turn over to Ephesians again, and let's look at chapter 6 and see what he says in Ephesians 6 there. <clears throat> Beginning in verse 1. Ephesians 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment of the promise, that it may be well with you, and you may live long on the earth. Interesting statement, right? Paul is telling the church at Ephesus, talking to the children, saying, you need to obey your mom and dad. Well, why is that? Well, of course, in the family, that's the role you have to learn, to be taught the way you're supposed to live, especially as Christians. Remember Paul said, you can imitate me because I imitate Christ? Same way with the family. Children should see your parent, the parents, imitating Christ, living like Christ. Like going to church ought to be pretty important. They may not like it. They may say, church is boring. I don't like to go to church. Well, you're going. I don't want to go. Why do I have to go? Because I said so, right? Because it's important. They need to see that children obey your parents and what does he say why should you do that so you can live long on the earth you see there's something about children being obedient to parents that leads to long life I don't know how that works exactly but there's something about that yes sir Yes, sir.
Thank you, Brother John. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't have said it any better myself. I hope you all heard that, right, that, about the children. And that's the point we're trying to make here. As parents of children, you need to be showing the children what's most important, right? And if you're skipping church or you're doing things that doesn't show the church is being important, that's the message they're going to get, right? And it's not just about going to church. It's everything you do in your life. You should be living for Christ every day, not just on Sunday morning. That's what Paul's saying here. Children, obey your parents. Look for them to be the leaders. Husbands, love your wives. Wives, submit to your husbands in that great relationship, just like Christ is the head of the church and he loved the church as a husband, like we should do as husbands. And children, obey your parents for that causes you to have a long life. Interesting points, interesting points. Um, turn over to Samuel, 1 Samuel real quick. And I want to show a couple examples of some differences there. And we were just talking, you were talking about people not making church important or paying things. This is not something that's new, right? It seems like perhaps in the past few, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 years, going to church is kind of out of, out of, uh, you know, it's not a fad anymore, right? It's not the thing to do, right? Turn back to 1 Samuel 15. Let's look at something here. A couple of things that he said that are said in, in the Old Testament. 1 Samuel 15, uh, let's begin in verse 22. So, so Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than to sacrifice. And to heed... And to heed than the fat of rams. For rebellion is as the sin of witchcraft, and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry. Because you have rejected the word of the Lord, he has also rejected you from being king. I want to mention this because what we're talking about here is, is rebellion. And we have a couple examples I'll show you in a second. Can lead to death. Rebellion should be dealt with as children, right? And I know some parents have grown children that have left the church, are no longer faithful. And perhaps that was because they rebelled and have decided they didn't want any part of it. Not necessarily from what the parents did, but the warning here is that God sees it as being like idolatry, witchcraft, and so forth. It needs to be dealt with. If you have a child that's being rebellious, it needs to be dealt with. And one of the ways that's done is, he goes on to talk about fathers not provoking your children. Okay? In other words, fathers have an awesome responsibility, right? To raise their children in the nurturing and admonition of the Lord. But they are to be understanding, compassionate, firm, yes, but not lording it over the kids either. Otherwise, you might lead them to a rebellion. Now, I'm not, I'm not a psychiatrist. I'm not trying to be the family counselor here. I'm simply showing you some things that we can read in the Word that may help us to understand God's intent. Joshua in chapter 24, I'm going to contrast that. 24 and verses 14 and 15 said, we, and As for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. He made it a point for his family to serve the Lord. 
And you can contrast that to the judge Eli. Do you remember the story of Eli, the judge? I'm not going to go over there and read it, but in 1 Samuel 3, what happened to him and his sons? They died because his sons had rebelled. You remember the story? His sons were taking of the sacrifices, the good, the good cuts of the meat, and devouring them where that should have been sacrificed. And then they were also committing adultery with the women who were at the gate. Some doing some nasty things because they were rebellious. Right? Here's Eli, the great judge of Israel, who had not disciplined his sons. Didn't seem to know how to do it, perhaps. Perhaps he, I don't know, thought he was too busy. I don't know. But they suffered the consequences of God's judgment because of that. So we can see how things like that can happen. If you're not making that point, and it needs to be a deliberate effort, not just something in passing, oh, I think my kids will get it. You know, we go to church on Sunday. Uh, you know, I, we pray before dinner. I think my kids will get it. Mm. Need to be making the point that it's something more than just coming here on Sunday. It needs to be seeing you in service. They need to be seeing you in prayer. They need to see you in the Word. <clears throat> trying to grow spiritually. All right. I'm running out of time here. I've got a lot more to do here. But uh, moving on, most of the following now is going to apply to the first century. Paul talks about masters and slaves. In that time, most of the Christians were either slaves to another family or perhaps they were families with slaves. That's the way a lot of people lived then. That's how they survived. They had to be a slave to a, another family in order to live. But I think some of this can be applied to us today in our lives in a perhaps employee and employer relationship. I mean, you might say in your jobs, dare say, don't want to say it, but you're kind of a slave in your job, aren't you? I mean, if they're going to pay you so you can feed your family, you kind of got to do what they tell you, don't you? You kind of need to do the work that they want you to do or you won't get paid. Now, I know we live in a free country. You can quit anytime you want, right? Slaves couldn't do that, really. But in that same sense, we can see what he's talking about here. He says, servants, obey your master in all things except that which is against God's will. Not with eye service. In other words, not just when the boss is watching. Right? You need to be working diligently in your job and doing your job well. Why? Because you're doing it for your true master. Right? Not as man-pleasers, as he says there, but with sincerity of heart with fearing God, working heartily to the Lord and not men. In other words, he's saying, when you're serving your master, when you're slaving, being a slave, working, do it for God. You're not doing it just for your master on earth, but you have a master in heaven. And everything you do, do it for him, who sees all the time, right? He's always there 
and sees what's going on. Turn over to 1 Peter 2 again. You might just, I think I told you, just keep staying that uh, letter. Let's look again at another verse. And this is going to be something that you may not like, but we're going to read it. 1 Peter 2. Uh, beginning of verse uh, 18 there. He says, Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. For this is commendable. If because of conscience toward God, one endures grief suffering and suffering wrongfully. For what credit is it if when you are beaten for your faults, you take it patiently? What, but when you do good and suffer, if you take it patiently, this is commendable before God. For to this you were called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow his steps. In other words, he's telling the slaves, even if you are dealt with harshly, you still need to be diligent to work. Why? Because you have a master who suffered for you. Now, in today, I don't know that anybody has to really suffer in their job. You may have a lot of stress, perhaps, but I don't know if anybody's getting beaten. If you are getting beaten by your boss, you do need to leave there, I think. But in the same sense, we are to be workers for the Lord, even in a situation that's not that great, because he suffered for us. Remember, in this white life, we're not promised health and wealth. Right? We're only promised a reward in the next life. Masters also should be fair. He goes on to talk about that. He says, if you are a master, you should be fair to those who serve under you. You should be doing them right. You should not be partial to one or another. And if there is punishment that needs to be done, you should be doing it fairly with great warning before that happens and doing it with your master in mind. Remember, you're master or slave. You're, you're serving Christ. You're serving the master. Do all things in him. <coughs> we, we, we as uh, uh, Christians, as brothers and sisters, have some guidelines here that we need to follow. And I know some of this stuff is reminder, or I know you've been taught this, or you've read it, you know these things. But it's not as easy to practice it, right? Perhaps as it is to talk about it, or teach it, or say it. And if you're in a relationship that's not good, you know, perhaps a wife who's in a relationship that's not good with her husband, it needs to be dealt with, right? I'm not saying anyone should sit there and be oppressed in a relationship just because Scripture says wives submit to their husbands. But we have roles that we were created for. And that's what Paul is talking about here. These are the examples of what God wants for us. These are truths that if followed, we will be able to live long on the earth. We were studying John, read constantly about at the end there when John wrote, there are many more things in the, that we didn't write about in here. But these have been written that you may know 
Jesus Christ and have abundant life. And what he was saying is, these are the truths. If followed, you can have abundant life here on earth and in the next, eternally. If these things are followed, you'll do well. It doesn't mean you're always going to have, like I said, health and wealth, but it's guidelines for us in our lives, in our family, and in our business, whatever our work is, and so forth. Colossians 2, 3, it said of Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Wisdom and knowledge that comes from Christ reaches to that relevant need that we face today. These passages talk about truth, talk about how we should live. It's not exactly what the world sees, right? But remember, you're in the world, but you are not of the world. You have been set apart, set apart a chosen race to do good work. You are now servant in the kingdom. You're not anything great. You're not anything special. You're humble servants of the king. Can you ask for anything more than that? I mean, that's, that's great, isn't it? And you're going to get a reward. You're going to get that crown at the end. What else could we really want? Okay. Like I said, it won't be here next week. We'll have a refined weekend. Thanks, for everyone, for being here.